0: You know we all hate to hear the word no don't we well perhaps we should change our thinking about that let's get into it on today's episode of the buyer's mind welcome to the buyer's mind where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shaw. Well, hello, everyone, and once again, welcome to The Buyer's Mind, the podcast where we try and figure out what is going on in the brains of customers who are thinking about making a purchase decision, and how do we change our style, our approach, our processes to make it easy for people to do what they want to do anyway. Joined, as always, by our show producer, Paul Murphy. Hey, Murph, we're going to talk today about the word, no. How do you feel about that? Do you you like to hear the word no? It depends. Uh, If I'm asking my wife for a kiss and she says no, that's very disappointing. However, uh, yes, that's the IRS saying uh, pay, pay money uh, and I can say no to them. I'm very happy. (laughs) Today, we're going to challenge our thinking about the word no. And look, I get it. Uh, This is something that requires a mindset change. The idea of welcoming a no seems foreign to us. And I want to just encourage you to hang in there. It it gets better because here's the deal. It's the fear of the no that is often so crippling. But by evading the no, what's happening here? We're not doing anyone any favors. You see, when we're talking about how we work with our customer, we're thinking about what questions do I want to ask? How do I want to, to go through this process? And, and I tend to look at it and say, well, you know what? I, I want to have a good, solid, amiable, a productive conversation with my customer, so I don't want to make them uncomfortable. And you know, it's uncomfortable for them to say no, right? So let's not ask them questions that would put them in that position. And I would say that you're doing your customer a huge disservice with that mindset. When you think of something, for example, like asking somebody if they want to buy, would you like to buy this? Now, now you can look at it and you say, well, you know what, it'd be awkward if they said no, and I'd be uncomfortable, and they'd be uncomfortable. So I just think I won't ask the question, and I'll wait for them to ask it of me. No, no, no. That is not the way that it works. If you are waiting for your customer, all you're doing is transferring your discomfort onto them. You are saddling them with the discomfort of coming to you and asking permission to buy. All because you are uncomfortable with a no? That's not, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. But I would argue that there's a lot of psychology that goes into this. There's a fear of the no that gets us really wrapped around the axle in, in, in a mental capacity. You know, it's the no itself. It's not that bad. It's the fear of the no that we have to be careful with. And so today we're going to dive into that. We're going to look at how we go for no. About how we design our presentation to not only uh, no longer be afraid of the no, but actually to embrace the no as an indication that we are headed in the right direction. And to do that, uh, we're going to talk to this subject matter expert, the person who literally wrote the book on how you go for no. Well, I've been looking forward to this interview for uh, a while now. Uh, If you're in the sales world, you certainly know who Andrea Waltz is, the uh, keynote speaker and author of the world-famous, wildly successful book, Go For No. Uh, Oxymoronic in its title, but really, really intriguing, and I can't wait to get into it. Uh, Welcome, uh, Andrea Waltz, to The Buyer's Mind. So glad to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I'm so glad to be with you.
0: Let's have a little fun because right from the very beginning, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's sort of a controversial title. Everything that we're ever taught in sales says go for yes. And here you come along and say go for no. Have you always had a desire to upset the apple cart, my friend?
1: It's crazy I have created such a marketing challenge for myself I don't know why um, yeah I know it seems it seems ridiculous and I know that we we want yeses as salespeople. but in my defense I will just say that the subtitle of go for no is yes is the destination no is yes. how you get there right yeah, so right. Uh, so yeah it is it is counterintuitive and it is designed to get people's attention which it does.
0: Sure, sure. Give us a little bit of your background here. You um, are currently in Orlando, Florida. Are you a native Floridian? There aren't native Floridians. Are there Are there a native Floridians? I'm not sure I that there are. I don't think
1: there are. No, I'm actually <laughs> from Southern California. And oh, okay. then uh, my husband and I spent six years in the Pacific Northwest, and then mm-hmm. I was ready for some sunshine. So we've been sure. here for the last decade.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you 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 have uh, have, have a, a track record in uh, uh, just looking at what success success theory looks like, and specifically here in the area of how we get what we want, and sometimes taking the more difficult path to get there. Uh, give us the origin of the book. We'll get into the book here just a little bit. Give us a little of the origin of the book. What spurred you on? What caused you to look at it and say, "A, this is a concept," and "B, this is a, a story that needs to be told."
1: Right. Well, what happened was um, my my business partner and husband Richard and I um, were working in corporate jobs at Lens Crafters. This goes mm-hmm. back now twenty years. Mm-hmm. He told me the go for no story, which we could talk about. And huh? actually, he convinced me that we needed to quit our jobs and launch our own speaking and training company. So that's what we did, and we focused on uh, topics in the world of retail. Our clients were retail. Um, that's mm-hmm. where we came from, and that's what the majority of our clients were. And we were teaching sales and management and customer service philosophies and strategies. And of everything that we taught, the idea of go for no was the thing that people resonated the most with. So we decided to write the book. And um, it only took 10 years for that book to get on the um, Amazon number one sales and selling list. So yeah. it, uh, right, it was an overnight success.
0: It just took 10 years to get an overnight success. So exactly. so uh, tell the story. That's, that's kind of a that's that's a that's a gutsy thing to do, to look at it and say, um, you know, we're going to go for the no. Uh, but but then if that's what he was saying, you were in a position where you, it was like, well, I can hardly say no right now. Right. I have to say yes. It, it would be counter uh, to the entire philosophy if if I just rolled over on this one. So so Absolutely. give us the story. Give us the background of go for no.
1: So, I actually thought that I was a spectacular salesperson and, mm-hmm. and had a hard time admitting that I didn't like to hear the word no, that I had a fear of uh, failure and rejection and didn't want to look like one of those pushy, aggressive salespeople. But so mm-hmm. Richard tells me the story about how he was working in a men's clothing store and the district manager, a guy by the name of Harold, came in one day to do a store visit and he was actually not doing, Richard was not doing all of that, all that well. And mm-hmm. uh, so he decides he would impress Harold on this store. Visit. Um, luckily, that day, a very well dressed customer comes in the store, announces he wants to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. Richard per- proceeds to take care of this customer, sell him a suit, sport coat, slacks, ties, belt, underwear, pocket square. It was like eleven hundred dollars sale. And now mm-hmm. he's thinking that Harold's going to be so impressed and congratulate him. And instead, Harold asks him, Richard, you know, out of curiosity, what did that customer say no to? And Richard was kind of mad because he has this spectacular sale. And he's like, Harold, what do you mean? What did the customer say no to? I just had this fantastic sale. Didn't you see it? And Harold said, yes, I saw it. We know all of the yeses. I'm just asking you, you know, what did that customer say no to? And which forced Richard to review the sale in his mind. And he said, Harold, listen, everything I showed that guy, everything I laid in front of him, he purchased. And Mm -hmm. then Harold asked him the really important question, which was, well, then how did you know he was done? And that was the question that kind of reframed the whole thing for Richard. And he said he realized how he knew he was done because that customer had hit his mental spending limit of $1,100 and Mm -hmm. he decided the sale was over, took the customer to the register, rang him up, sent him on his way. And it was in that moment that he learned Kind of the secret. And Harold basically said, you know, you're a good salesperson, but your fear of the word no is going to kill you. If you could just mm-hmm. get over that, I think you could become one of the great ones. So Richard becomes an award-winning salesman after a year of putting Go for No in practice, gets into training, we finally meet. And then he tells me that story. And I have my own epiphany, which is mm-hmm. like, hey. I need to adopt this philosophy, too, which I did um, both on the job and then later when we launched our company.
0: You know, it's interesting because when I think about what Richard's experience was right there, I I think that many salespeople and I I cannot suggest that I would have been any differently. um, You know, when we we got a yes. And in fact, we got a pretty good size. Yes. Uh, we're we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. It seems a, 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 almost a stretch to look at it and say, "But but wait, I haven't heard a no yet." I think most salespeople are going to look at it and say, "I got a yes, and that's good." And it, and I'm hearing from you that well, maybe it is good, but it's not ultimate. There there's there's more out there if we're willing to get outside of our comfort zone on this.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you, Jeff, I mean, here's where I came from on this. And I, I kind of was using my, my persona as this fantastic service-based salesperson, which was, well, yes, I got the yes. And what what I was really doing was deciding for, uh, for the customers, basically what products and services I would show, mm-hmm. making it kind of seem like I was doing it for them. But the reality was I was doing it for me. I was serving my ego, which was, I didn't want to hear no. Um, so I was kind of picking and choosing what, uh, you know, things I would show, protecting myself, not giving the customer the opportunity to To learn about everything, thereby putting myself in a position where I might be rejected. So it really became all about me. Once I started going for no and saying, hey, here are the other options based on what you told me, here are the things that you should know about. And me hearing more no's um, was actually the way that I was serving at a much higher level.
0: You know, I I have uh, said words to salespeople that I, I, people have looked at me a a little bit funny about this, but I have suggested, and maybe there's just a, a better way to deliver the message, but I have suggested that if you are not asking because of your discomfort and your fear, that's an inherently selfish thing to do, to not ask because of how it makes you feel is actually exceedingly selfish because it forces the customer to come to you sort of hat in hand, uh, asking permission, please may I spend a bunch of money for your product or, or service. And uh, just to me, that's the highest of pressures. But let's get into the, the psychology of this a little bit, because you've had to look at it from the perspective of, you know, I wrote a whole book on comfort addictions in the sales process. You've had to look at it from that perspective to, to say, what is it about the word no that is so damaging, that is so dangerous, that is so potentially threatening to us that would cause us to change our entire actions uh, for fear of the word no?
1: Right. And there's such a psychology to it. And Mm -hmm. um, Jeb Blount does such a good job in his book, Objections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. About talking about the physiology and the biology and how our brains have been wired, you know, thousands and thousands of years to fundamentally not get us kicked out of the tribe. Right. Mm -hmm. So that we can Mm -hmm. survive. Um, And we, we, so we're, we're biologically wired to not be rejected. But of course that um, protection is not helpful in today's world. And I kind of joke with people, you know, it's like, Like we get one no and we think somehow that means that tomorrow we're going to be living under the freeway overpass. I mean, it just doesn't happen that fast. Mm -hmm. So uh, but that's our brain is so wired to protect us. And so we're constantly having to fight that biology and to literally reprogram. That's kind of the word we use without um, making it seem overly um, weird or scientific. Mm -hmm. But it is is kind of a reprogramming reprogramming process. And the only way that you do that is by getting into action and by practicing these things and putting yourself out there. And it does require a certain amount of courage. It does require Mm -hmm. that um, pushing, taking that risk and saying, I'm not going to stay in my safe place, which is I got the yes, let's just go with that and not, not push it.
0: And yet, when we look at this interesting, you point this out of the book, when when you think about uh, a little child, right? Um, you know, Daddy, can I have candy? No. Please? No. I'll be good. No. Mommy would say yes. Okay. Right, so we we look at little kids and and uh, and we talk about this no not yet uh, connection. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because apparently this is behavior that at one point we had no trouble with, but at some point we said, "Oh, Matt, wow, I'm going to have to back off." Take us through that part of the journey
1: right and that's that whole idea of no doesn't mean never no means not yet right mm-hmm. and it is getting back that childlike tenacity uh that we had and of course a kid doesn't think oh wow too bad dad said i couldn't have candy today mm-hmm. the kid's thinking okay i have to be a little creative i maybe i have to ask somebody else maybe i do mm-hmm. have to ask mom or have to ask in a different way and we do lose that i think in in kind of those early teenage years where we learn just by well-meaning teachers and parents and coaches around us to kind of, you know, play within the rules and don't, don't step over the line, never cross the line, of course, because we don't know where the line is for anybody, then mm-hmm. you have to play it. So safe. if you have to stand back so far and be so mindful of that and listen, I mean, I'm the, I understand it's, it's, you think like, oh man, so, so she's advocating being pushy and aggressive. And kind of the funny thing is, like the pushy, aggressive, go for yes. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to put your arm behind your back and and mm-hmm. do whatever it takes to sell you this product. That's the kind of that go old school go for yes mindset. Right. The hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer. I'm gonna ask good questions. I'm gonna figure out everything that um, you may not know that you need, and I'm gonna present all of it to you without the judgment and without the letting my ego run the show and let you choose the best options for you. And if it's a no for everything, perfectly acceptable answer
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When we think about the psychology that we carry around with us, there is that fear uh, psychology that we we deal with. And and uh, it might be a fear of uh, failure. It might be a fear of rejection. You say in the book, I think this is just really interesting that most people think that failure and success are on two opposite ends of the spectrum. You don't agree with that.
1: Right. Yes. Failure and success, really the the kind of that old model is failures on one side and successes on the other. And you have to choose between one or the other, and you're stuck in the middle. And we say that really failure and success are opposite sides of the same coin that you can't have one without the other. And our new model is one where if you can kind of visualize this where you're really standing on one side and rejection and hearing the word no and failing, because that's really what to know is all about um Mm -hmm. is is taking that chance and making right making those attempts um is in the middle and the success that you're seeking is on the other side those yeses are on this other side and to me this is really this idea of failure and success is such a life philosophy and we've Mm -hmm. had we have people who read the book who are in every area of business that you could imagine, plus people who are, um, in music and actors going out for an audition. It's everyone who has to, has to move through failure in order to achieve what they're trying to achieve. And I, that's all of us to me.
0: When you look at uh, you've worked around you've worked in the sales field on around salespeople your entire career, uh, how much of this is built into the personality the the DNA if you will uh, versus learned behavior? What of this is nurture and what of this is nature?
1: Oh my gosh. I, I, that's a great question. I think that, um, well, it's funny because if we speak to, let's say a group of a thousand people, I Mm -hmm. will have two people come up to me at the end who say, uh, loved your talk. Um, I completely have no issue with, with the word. No, I absolutely go for no at every chance I get no problem with any of these issues. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I say, right. Congratulations. You are in the right. upper echelon. Of people. Right. Yeah. Everyone, right. ever, all, the rest of us, including Richard and myself, who we could have never written go for no, if we had no problem with the word no or no problem with failure, mm-hmm. because in part we wrote it because we needed it too. And, mm-hmm. and I think that most of it is, um, I think that most of it is nurtured. It's something that you you have to cultivate. And there's a great book. You've probably heard this um, called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Mm, Carol Dweck, she, yeah, sure. Yeah, and she talks about this idea of relationship between. of. Young of of kids who are in school, who as they learn need to be taught these lessons of failure and success, and that failure is part of the growth. And it's not about just proving yourself, which I think sometimes as salespeople we can just get in this mindset of winning and proving that um, and getting that outside validation that we're good or our company is good or our product's good, which kind of means that we're good. And we look for that, and it's not about that. It's it's about the growth, and it's about that that using failure as a tool to get better.
0: Yeah, it it is. It's, it's, that is really, as you said earlier, there's sort of a universal concept. It's that there is no growth without failure. You know, we have, I have a part of my company is involved in the sales training business, and we're teaching this all the time, the idea that if you never want to fail in your efforts to get better, then you're not going to get better. Failure is, in fact, directly on the path of skill development, and and I think a lot of people plateau because they don't want to do it. It's the same principle here when we're thinking about uh, asking uh, uh, and, and and risking getting a no, if you will, if you see that as a damaging failure you're probably going to give up. But if you see it as a growth failure, or in other words, I guess what we're looking and say, you know, we've been taught in our society, failure is not an option. And if you're trying to bring back the space shuttle from an aborted mission, I can understand why that would be the case. But if it goes with uh, trying to build skill, or if it goes with trying to increase your selling prowess, I would argue that failure is the only option.
1: Absolutely. And Seth Godin, uh, one of my favorite authors said mm-hmm. just as much, you know, you, you can't have failure without success. And if you're going to avoid one, you're going to avoid both. So mm-hmm. um, I love that failure is not an option. I agree with you. I mean, listen, who wants to be trapped in the spaceship
0: right.
1: <laughs> around the moon <laughs> halfway around the moon, and right. have people go like, Hey, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah,
1: so yeah, no, I want people to be like, yeah, failure is not an option here, but in our day to day, um, kind of growth mindset, it's, it's, it's got to be a part of it. Otherwise, I think I think when you have that that failures not an option um, mindset going on, then to me that makes my knee jerk reaction say, well, then I better not try because yeah, then yeah. if it's not an option, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want I don't want to
0: be judged, and so just sure. let's not do this thing. Right, right. Yeah, there's one other. You you bring up an interesting point along those lines too in the book when you say that when everything in life is over and done with. No one will remember your failures. They're just going to remember your successes. And I think what we end up dealing with over and over is that the fear of the potential quote failure, the fear of the no. It it gets our head wrapped around the axle in the short term, and we think it's such a big deal. And the problem with that, the way I see it, is that you know when you look at uh, Daniel Kahneman, the founder of behavioral economics, one of my favorite Daniel Kahneman quotes said, "Nothing is as important as we think it is while we're thinking about it." And The moment when we're thinking about the fear, when we're thinking about the no, is when we start you know, doing the mind boogie, and it, and it gets us all uh, confused and, and fearful, and now I don't want to do anything at all. The reality is, that moment's going to come and go and be forgotten in no time at all. Uh, the only thing that's going to be remembered is the success. That really struck me because it's such a profound, as you said earlier, not just a good sales mindset, but a good life mindset.
1: Absolutely. I love that. And and if you can value those failures and see them as growth, and I have to tell you, I've taken it to the next level. Like I'm, I'm a believer in monetizing your failure. So Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, Richard and I go for no very successful book. We've also written some other books, horrible, horrible failures, like unmitigated disasters. And I, Mm -hmm. I have used those failures and created, um, ways of teaching people, you know, book publishing and teaching people our strategies around books and have turned those disasters into teaching moments. So monetize mm-hmm. your failures.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Well, if you look at it, you say it, every time there's a failure, it costs you something, right? It costs you money. It costs you time. It costs you uh, it, it discomfort. It costs you and something. If you look at it as a cost, you're going to want to minimize it. But if you look at it as an investment, then you're going to want to maximize it. You're going to ask the question, what is the return? And it's it's always out there. But. You know, I I think over and over again, we don't want to, we don't want to sit in our own weeds very long to try and think through, well, how did that go? And how could it have been better? And, and how, where, where do I grow from here? We kind of want to bury it and move on. So there's a lot of mind training that you have to go through if you want to embrace the go for no mindset.
1: Yes. And I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever really thought of it quite like that when you said cost of failure versus investment of failure. So I am mm-hmm. stealing that. I just took a note. Yeah, go
0: ahead. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Take okay. it. Take it. In, and okay. in, uh, in go for no part two. If you could give me just a little tiny uh, footnote at the bottom of the page, that would be great. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, when you're thinking about about this I want I want to talk about more about you and Richard now for just a moment because I think that this is so critical you know when we uh, a, a lot of times when we we read a book we ask our question how much the has the author really lived this book so when I wrote be Bold and win the Sale, which was all about comfort addictions it wasn't yeah you know I was writing about comfort addictions in the sales process but I was evaluating comfort addictions in my own life and and really looking and saying where am I making my decisions because of my desire for comfort and how am I uh, um showing evidences of of where I am willing to step outside of my comfort zone. When you're looking at this, this had to be an, an incredibly powerful and actually um, probably painful at times introspection uh, on your own life. You had to had to get through those own personal breakthroughs in order to get this right. And I know you touched on that briefly before, but I'm going to ask you to expand on it just a little bit about what that journey was like to recognize, hey, listen, I'm not going to write this book from an ivory tower somewhere saying, just so you know, no, I've got this all figured out, and if you just do what I do, you're going to be rich and famous. So, tell us a little bit about your mental journey to get there
1: yeah well not only did i think i was a superstar salesperson who then had to admit that i didn't like that i didn't like hearing no and richard didn't either and had to Mm -hmm. go through his own go for no process but for me also i don't like conflict and i am a pathological people pleaser so Mm -hmm. i have all kinds of things going on that that don't lend themselves very well to the skill of going for no because to me I was seen asking for more let's say or you know going for those more knows as oh what if what if this person doesn't like me and heaven forbid I didn't want to risk that so I had mm-hmm. had to under had to come to grips with how not asking was actually me also serving myself which we kind of t- talked about as well but it's a it's a constant work in progress and one of the books that was a game changer and I read it uh, many years after we were writing, go for no, had written go for no. And um, we're actually, I remember at one, one point that we talked about no goals in the book. And at one point, Richard and I said, you know, we really should start setting no goals because it's in our own book. So we mm-hmm. should do yeah. this. <laughs> so we did that to great success. Thank God. Cause so that, that worked. Um, so yeah, it's kind of embarrassing when you don't live your own, your yeah. own message sometimes. And um, I do remember one time too, we were talking about something and we we're just like, well, we're going to have to ask this person for this. We're going to have to ask this person for this. And I was like, Oh my God, do you mean, are you suggesting that we should go for no?" <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're, we're always like, you know, our knee jerk reaction is like, Oh, we're the go for no, the bravest people in the world in the world. Yeah. No, we have to yeah. we're, we're constantly working
0: on ourselves. Right, yeah, absolutely. I think it's people sometimes don't understand that about authors is that the the author himself, the author herself when they're writing the book, it it's uh it's cathartic, yes, but it's also uh, therapeutic and self-instructive as we go through that process and it's it's actually a beautiful thing. Uh give us one uh, uh one thing to work on. There are a ton of things to work on in this book and so I want to encourage people to read the book, but but give us a head start on that. What what is one thing we can do uh in that moment? when when we're, we're looking at it and saying, okay, there, there might be a no opportunity here.
1: Yeah. So I, I say, be aware and mindful of the go for no moments that happen throughout your day. And they happen in your business life and they happen all over the place. And that's mm-hmm. why I say, I, I believe that go for no is a life philosophy. So it's um, it's that that go for no moment is that moment where you have the opportunity to ask and you, mm-hmm. you think for a second, and you go like, wait a minute, um you're at a restaurant there's like the fabulous table up in the front and then they seat you by the water station and you think oh my gosh i don't want to sit here this is going to be a horrible night and then then if you're like me, um, and you're in people pleasing mode and you go like, well, I don't want to bother the hostess. And Mm -hmm. she probably has her reasons and maybe the front table is reserved. And so you come up with all these assumptions. It's really take advantage of that. Go for no moment and say, hang on, I'm just going to ask the worst is the worst is that we stay at the table we were already sitting at, which is where we are right now. So, um, and make, and make that ask it. It's, the more you practice that, the better that you get. And I, I do it all the time on things that um, really have no ultimate meaning to me. I don't mm-hmm. really care, but it's just mm-hmm. great practice in yeah. my personal life so that I get better at it in my business and sales life. So mm-hmm. that to me is, is the takeaway is in those moments, catch yourself and just go for it and, and ask.
0: I love it. Yeah. Cause it, you know, if I'm thinking, you know, they're going to give me the table over here by the bus station, I want that table over here. I would ask, but, you know, I'm probably the only person that's ever made such an outlandish request. And then she's going to think poorly about me. And her father is probably the mayor. And he's going to call the city and tell him to make sure that my house is is permitted properly. And I don't want to get into all of that. So there's that <laughs> whole, you know, we have this beautifully creative, catastrophizing tendency uh, to really think that things are going to go very, very badly. And it's all the in our mind right it's it's all in our mind
1: it is and that's the brain that's the brain protecting you and the brain's like coming up with these amazing stories the brain should be working for steven spielberg because (laughs) it's coming up with like these amazing stories like oh my god you you literally just the world just imploded
0: (laughs) yes yeah that's right that's right all right. Great stuff. Uh, the book is called Go For No." You can get it on uh, Amazon. Really good stuff. But before we let you go, we're going to put you on the hot seat, get to know you just a little bit better. Rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. You ready? I am ready. Here we go. Your very first job was what? Uh record store. Hmm. Well, appropriate to our next question. An album from your youth that you listen to over and over again.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Oh, I'll go with Madonna, like a virgin.
0: (laughs) Uh, The most beautiful place you've ever stood.
1: Hmm, Probably uh, the balcony. And I can't remember what I think it was the Sheraton on um, in Honolulu.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, any book that you read early in life that made a profound impact on the rest of your life?
1: Oh, definitely. The Aladdin Factor, which is about
0: asking by Jack Canfield. Love it. Uh, a movie you've seen multiple times, but it doesn't matter when it comes on. You have to see it again.
1: Easy. Uh, a few good men. I've seen it like probably 50 times.
0: Uh, I could recite the the speeches. There's no question about it. Uh, and then finally your, uh, their, your first celebrity crush.
1: Hmm. Um, I'll go with, let's see. Uh, I guess that would be Kirk Cameron. He was in some TV show sure. and Gr- I can't growing,
0: growing Pains yeah 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 growing pains oh my god I, was, I had this poster on my wall sure yeah that's awesome that's great all right you're off the hot seat uh I, andrew thank you so much it was just such a great conversation um i i just i love the idea that w- we get to have this type of conversation because you know you're clearly an expert on this it's a s- super important thing that we just have to get right not just for us but for the benefit Of those people who we serve, but I appreciate your approach. You're not coming at this from a high and mighty, I've got this all figured out. You're a real person and uh, it it just helps us to connect. And I think it gives everybody a tremendous amount of courage. I think people who listen to this interview are better off for having done it. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I love having the chance to, to talk about it.
0: Uh, all right, Murph, uh, interesting paradigm, right? Uh, when you look at some of the things that uh, Andrea had to say here, uh, especially just the whole concept of changing our mindset, that it's not no, it's just not yet. And those are two very, very different perspectives, right? It is. And as a matter of fact, I was putting this into practice uh, long before uh, I even knew about Andrea Waltz when I asked my wife to marry me. Um <laughs> Inici- initially when i asked her to go out uh, i got a no uh, but it was not no not forever it was a no not right now and then it turned mm-hmm. into a yes. So there you go. Well, listen, and that's uh, th- that's the idea. We were talking about it with Andrea, just the whole concept that, you know, as little kids, we understand this. If you hear a no, you just heard a not yet. And if you did hear a not yet, then it changes absolutely everything because it causes us to say, OK, I got a no. Why did I get a no? What do I need to change? What does this person still need? How do I serve their needs the best in order to go back in and eventually Get that? Yes. But this really is about changing our own paradigm. Here's the problem. Deeply rooted paradigms are the hardest to change. And one of the most deeply rooted paradigms that we have is the paradigm that says no equals bad. And we need to push ourselves to embrace the other side of our limitations, if we look at and say, my limitations are only up to the point where they're going to say no, but no equals bad, then I'm going to say, I'm going to avoid that altogether. I'm not even going to push up to my limitations. Most people think that failure and success are on two ends of the spectrum. That's what we heard from Andrea. That's just not True. Failure and success go hand in hand. So, when I look at it, if I say, "Okay, would you like to do this? Do you want to do that over here? What do you think about this here? When I get that negative response, it's a lesson that's going to lead me on the path of success if I choose to take it that way. One suggestion that I want to make to you, if you're a sales professional, if you have never seen the movie Door to Door... With William H. Macy. It's the story of the true story of a door to door salesperson uh, named Bill Porter. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal, and very inspiring story. And by the way, William H. Macy does an incredible job uh, in that movie. But Bill Porter had one of the toughest routes on a hilly section of Portland, Oregon, where it rains all the time, going door-to-door selling his product, which would have been tough enough for most people, but try doing it if you're afflicted with cerebral palsy. And I'll tell you what... it walking was difficult, talking was difficult, everything was difficult, but that perseverance to recognize that every no brought you closer to a yes, it was so inspiring. The movie is door-to-door, and I want a high recommendation for you to watch that, and maybe even watch it with some of your peers. Have a movie night with some of your sales peers, and ask yourself the question afterwards, how can we leverage on that? If he could do it, and he could, he was wildly successful, if he could do that, what can we do to be leveraged Less afraid of the no and more understanding that the no leads you to the yes. That's the goal. That's the idea. Go for no, my friends. That will put you on the track to change your customer's world.